But now we have the children of CrossFitters. We have kids who are growing up with parents who have snatched and clean and jerked, even though it's just a hobby, even though, you know, the parents still go to a nine to five, they know what weightlifting is. They know what the gym is like. They know what real training is like, regardless of what people say about CrossFit. It really is real training. I mean, you get people back squatting, jumping, running, like you can't argue that that is much more effective than going to a Globo gym. Welcome to the Barbend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to weightlifter, weightlifting coach, and YouTuber, Zach Tellender. Zach is a coach for Juggernaut Training Systems, in addition to being a nationally competitive heavyweight lifter. He's also built one of the fastest growing YouTube followings in the weightlifting sphere. We talk about transitioning back and forth between weightlifting and CrossFit, what it takes to put up nationally competitive snatch and clean and jerk numbers, and where Zach thinks the sport is headed in the United States and beyond. Also, I just want to say, we're incredibly thankful that you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't already, please be sure to leave a rating and review of the Barbend podcast in your app of choice. Now let's get to it. Zach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. For those who might not be familiar with you and your career in strength sports, give us a little background. How'd you first get interested in weightlifting? Oh, man. It's a little bit of a, a longer story. Um, I started lifting weights, you know, when I was 14, just like a lot of other um, teenage kids. But I got into, you know, there was seriously regimented strength training, obviously in high school football. And then um, I ended up getting a scholarship uh, to play at the University of Vermont. And that was much more regimented. So I actually got really into strength there. Um, but then after I graduated, I felt like I still had some more potential uh, as far as strength and fitness goes. So like a lot of washed up collegiate athletes, I started doing CrossFit. Um, and I got interested in being a, a coach from there. So I, I became a CrossFit coach. And then that ultimately led into weightlifting. I, I had a definite weightlifting bias because I was finding success, uh, snatching and clean and jerking. Um, so I got a bunch of different certifications. I found out that I didn't really like the, like being a CrossFit coach. Um, so I wanted to do strength and conditioning at the collegiate level. Um, and that was where I kind of stopped weightlifting, stopped really caring about, uh, CrossFit and just wanted to focus on, you know, education. I did uh, two internships at one of them at Northwestern University and the other at Texas A&M University, and they were both very uh, they were both very arduous uh, internships. And actually, when I was at Texas A&M, I started weightlifting again, um, and then my internship kind of ended there. And I wasn't entirely sure that I wanted to be in strength and conditioning anymore. So I, um, that's about the time I started making 
you know, YouTube videos and, and started focusing on my own weightlifting. Um, and I've sort of built something out of that. Um, I hope that answers your question. No, that's good. It, it does make me think that the University of Vermont is very good at producing strength athletes and CrossFitters. I'm thinking, of course, of Matt Fraser, who I believe is also an alum. Maybe there's something yeah, in the water inter- there. Interestingly enough, um, Matt and I, I think, are we were in the same grade or we were in the same uh, class, if you will. Um, but because I was involved in you know, the sports at, uh, University of Vermont, we were very like secluded, like, you know, and CrossFit wasn't big when I was in college or at least, you know, as big as it is now. Um, I didn't really have many friends outside of my team, if that made sense. And I wouldn't, there was no way I would train outside of the regimented training hours. So, you know, looking back on it, it would have been really cool to go up to this guy in you know an engineering class or something but I, I wouldn't be in an engineering class <laughs> um he was a super smart guy but to just walk up to him and just start talking to him i think would be cool um but yeah we were in the same we were the same age uh i think he graduated a little bit later than i did but um yeah that i think danny haran was also uh at that gym as well at the same time yeah danny haran like, another another multi-time crossfit games athlete right and uh i just never never knew about it even then i went uh i started doing crossfit out after college i still didn't know who matt fraser was um and then then he started winning a lot, and then I realized he was at uh, whatever that CrossFit gym is, and I could have gone there. I believe it's I yeah, believe it's Lake Champlain, right? Yeah, yep. Lake Champlain. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's it's interesting because Matt was uh, a very high level, an elite youth and junior lifter, and then moved to CrossFit after that. You found weightlifting after CrossFit, so I guess opposite paths, <laughs> and it just goes to show the different twists and turns that people take in order to kind of find the strength sport they settle into, or at least think yeah. they settle into, because a lot of people take up new sports as they get older, too. Well, I, I, I was, I've always been a fan of Matt Fraser because his movement is so good, and that's because he was a classically trained Olympic weightlifter you know, Olympic style weightlifter before doing CrossFit. So I've always uh, admired him as an athlete for sure. It's always funny when you watch, uh, you, you're watching the CrossFit games or a CrossFit competition and Matt obviously moves extraordinarily well with a barbell, especially in the Olympic movements. And I've, I've heard people exclaim, well, where did he learn to lift? It's like, well, he learned to lift in Vermont as a youth athlete over the course of like 10 years and spent a lot of time with the barbell. It's not like, it's not like he picked up CrossFit and a few months later was snatching like that. You know what I mean? He basically grew up with a barbell in his hand. So it just goes to show what kind of importance or what kind of impact the movement patterning can have when you're young. And I mean, no question on his uh, on his Olympic weightlifting. That's always been a strong part in his game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I it's interesting to talk because I don't think we've ever chatted in person before, but I've... I believe done color commentary on some sessions where you've competed in weightlifting. And one that comes to mind was the 2018 American open finals. That was about a year ago, about a year um, ago as of this recording. And you had a three Oh five total at the AO finals that year. Um, how are your lifts mm-hmm. and numbers feeling these days? Just to give folks a, a sense of kind of where you are and how your training has been going. Um, so 
I just competed about a, a month ago and I did a 315 total. Um, and then I'm about to compete this weekend at the American Open and I'm hoping to to eclipse 315 and, and get into the 320s. So now I'll hold you. Um, I'll hold you to that because I'm running the color commentary schedule. So if, if I'm not okay. on that, if I'm not on that session, and this this episode will come out after that competition, but if I'm not on that session, I'll make sure whoever's on that session knows Zach Tielander, Like, call him out. He has to beat 315 in the total. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be good. That'll that'll add some good motivation. I'm excited though. I really am. This has been a crazy year of training for me, man. What? How many times? A lot of work. How many times a year do you generally compete? I try to do like four or five, um, but you know, my main concern is 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 going to be coaching, um, and it's it's interesting. Like the more and more intense my training goes, the harder and harder it is to be a coach and uh, an athlete. And, you know, I've never been elite in weightlifting by any stretch, right? Like I'm looking to uh, crack maybe the top five uh, at the American Open Finals. Uh, But that step to winning um, a weight category is so massive. Um, You know, the guys at the top right now, Kaiser uh, Kaiser Witt and, and Kane Wilkes, you know, they're looking at trying to get 400 kilo totals. Um, and that's obviously going to forever be out of reach for me, but you know, for, for me, it's like, well, if I can keep improving on my total, you know, every, every year, I want to keep doing that. The issue is the sacrifice that it takes becomes greater and greater. So to put on another, an additional 10 kilos, you know, that's more and more sacrifice to my free time to actually coaching people really well. So, you know, I, I, I love the sport as an athlete, but I'm 29. Um, you know, it's not like I'm a spring chicken. Like I'm not, I'm not a, an 18 year old who's got a big, uh, quad ahead of him. Um, I, I know where my place is, but you know, it's been, this has been a really crazy year. That's all I can say. As far as training goes, it's just been nuts. One thing that I think folks might know you best for is the content you push out on YouTube. You have a pretty big following. Uh, it's how I first came across a lot of what you were doing was via YouTube and social media. And you know, you're someone who's really pushed, I'd say, the envelope a little bit. I don't mean that in like a, a weird or extreme or like clickbaity way necessarily, but push the envelope a little bit about w- as far as what weightlifting content can be and, and giving a look inside the gym and the life of an athlete and coach. What kind of, um, what kind of spurred you to start creating that content and what have you learned about the sport of weightlifting through producing content for YouTube? Well, I think it starts with, being a weightlifter and teaching yourself these things. And like I said, making continual sacrifices, it really shapes you as a human being. So when you look at my YouTube channel, I'm growing as a person. And a lot of the things that I say on that channel, I'm really trying to tell myself. Um, And so that growth has really led to my process on that channel. You know, there are very few things that are, absolute in this world. Um, obviously, you know, gravity is absolute, right? (laughs) 
you know that the I weight mean, on the you bar. Could, you could make an argument either way. I've heard people <laughs> argue some strange things in this sport. Well, so Max always said, like, you know, you could try arguing against gravity, jump off a building, and see how that works. Um, it's still just and, a theory. It's still just a theory. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, you, you know the weight's always going to be the same no matter what room you're in, no matter what place you're in. But outside of that, I mean, we try to systematically approach everything. And, and weightlifting is no exception. And what I try to do is say, you know, there's a lot of nuance to be seen. In just two movements, in snatch and clean and jerk, there is a lot of nuance. And so my goal for my channel is to explore that nuance not only as someone who can appear as somewhat of an authority, right? But as someone who's actively learning, um, I'll take, I'll give you an example, something like bending your arms <clears throat> in either of the lifts in the snatch or the clean. That is to, to many people's knowledge, an absolute no. Right. But why? I mean, are we to say that it absolutely across the board has to be that way? You know, it, it, I've seen elite athletes. I've seen a lot of elite athletes bend their arms. I've seen a lot of elite athletes not bend their arms. There is nuance to be seen there. And how, how am I exploring that? And so all I'm trying to do on my channel is say, you know, hey, guys, here's what's working for me. Here's something I've explored recently. I've implemented it here, here, and here, usually with coaching and being an athlete myself. Let me know what you think. Let me know if this helps you. Sometimes people are like, wow, this is amazing. I'd say actually oftentimes people are like, wow, this is really great. Thank you so much. But other times people are like, hey, Zach, this is complete bullshit. And that's great too, right? Because then I'll learn my lesson and, and try to come at it from a different angle. But that's really all I've done since I've started this channel. Really, that's it. Um, and I've done it, done it long enough now to, to grow some sort of a following. What are some of those moments where people have called you out or called BS on something and you did change your approach, your perspective, or you know, the way you thought about a particular aspect of weightlifting? <clears throat> oh, man, it's hard to think of like a sp specific time right now. You know, I get like a lot of comments. <laughs> um, I really, really do. Um, and honestly, the, the weird thing about getting a lot of comments is that you really do focus on the negative ones, even though a vast majority are going to be positive. Right, because it's uh, that's just the way the human mind works. You're more worried about what you're doing wrong than you know reinforcement for what you're doing right. And and what you'll find is people who consume your content they want to be on your side because they've just spent time, they spent a portion of their lives, you know, consuming your content. They want to they want to feel secure in that decision, so they're going to root for you. And it's really great. You know, you get this nice community behind you. But I think times where they've called me on my bullshit. Well, actually, to, to start off the channel, not many people know this. This is a really funny story. But after the strength and conditioning stuff, I was thinking I'm going to get back into CrossFit. And so I started doing like vlogs uh, of my CrossFit. And they were, you know, they were snap. They were, they were you know, I had a lot of cool cinematography, cool music, um, a bunch of different stuff. And I tried 
posting it to Reddit one time. I, I posted it to the Reddit CrossFit uh, page. And one guy was like, <laughs> one guy was like, Hey man. Uh, so this is the thing. There's really no story here. Um, we don't know you, we don't know what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, you're not particularly good looking like any of like the, you know, mainstream CrossFitters and you're not particularly that good. So it's hard for us to latch on to you if neither of those things are happening. First off, I was like, Hey man, screw you. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that ugly, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's always um, the first response. Yeah. First, no, but, first, first off, I'm not that ugly. Second to your real point. <laughs> no, I, yeah. So I, I, I basically, you know, I was, a, I was upset with that, but one of the things that this anonymous commenter said was like, Hey man, what are you good at? Why don't you just like, why don't you, if you have professional level knowledge in something, can you tell us about it? And I was like, Oh dude, weightlifting. Like I know, how to coach the snatch and the clean and jerk. And I know that there are issues with the way that it's taught in a lot of CrossFit gyms. And so what I did was I deleted all of my CrossFit vlogs and I deleted them. So no one can see them. Oh, we can't, we can't, we can't. So if you're, if you're looking to find, if you're looking to find a place to see some mediocre exercising for time for, for, for someone who, now I've been asked a lot for these videos, (laughs) but I've told this story before. I'm never going to show anyone them. I actually think I erased them entirely off my hard drive. Um, but I immediately made my first YouTube video on my new channel. That was the, the first one right after that. And it was, um, you know, certain aspects of the snatch that aren't talked about um, specifically. And I used examples. I had drills. I had a bunch of different things. And then um, I posted that. And it got like a thousand views or something. And and for me, that was just like, what a thousand views. That's insane. I got like, you know, at that time when I would get a subscriber, I would get an email. So I got like 20 emails saying like I had new subscribers and I was just like the greatest feeling on earth. So I was like, okay, let's keep doing this. There's a lot more to be done here. Uh, and then I continued to kind of, push myself in CrossFit just a little bit longer because the open came up and I actually did pretty well in that open. Uh, and then after that, I think that was like three years ago, uh, maybe two and a half years ago or something like that. Um, and then I was like full time back into weightlifting. So I, I used to bounce back and forth, weightlifting, CrossFit, weightlifting, CrossFit. Um, uh, I actually made the American open final in 2015. It was way different back then. Um, but uh, after that point, I, I went full full on into weightlifting. So, what are some of the misconceptions since you since you exist and coach at this intersection <clears throat> between CrossFit and weightlifting? What are some of the main misconceptions or misinterpretations you think that CrossFitters have of the weightlifting movements? Well, I think like the refinement is not what meets the eye a lot of it is physiological so there's like um like the difference between being able to hit something in training when there's no pressure and like 
it's so much more finely tuned when you want to be a weightlifter at optimal levels. And I don't think people realize that. Like you can snatch a lot of weight as a CrossFitter. There's no doubt about it, um, especially if you're talented. But that is meaningless when you get to uh, a, a weightlifting meet and you have to compete um, because it's not just about technical skill. It's about these long drawn out cycles of training that prepare you for this very pointed movement, very specific and very, very finely tuned. It's like the difference between NASCAR and uh, formula one, or, you know, there's similarities, um, actually a lot more similar things than you would expect, but or, or let's say let's say it like this. Um, Formula One would be CrossFit, right? And then the drag racing would be weightlifting. You know, the fine-tuned aspect of literally just going in a straight line and being perfect in that four seconds. You know, there's no there's no mistakes. There's no chance to make mistakes and come back. Um, so I think what the biggest misconception is that it's easy or that the transfer from CrossFit, you know, you'll go to CrossFit or you go to weightlifting from CrossFit and you'll immediately up your total, which you might do, but you won't optimize your total for quite some time. You posted a video about a month ago, or maybe it was a couple months ago as of this recording, and it was titled, Thank You CrossFit. And I want to talk a little bit about what you think CrossFit's impact has been and what will it will continue to be on other strength sports moving forward. So weightlifting as a sport uh, was never, most likely never going to get the, you know, get into the fitness culture really at all. Um, it's not an economic, you know, uh, America being this, flourishing capitalistic economy we focus on the sports that make money and therefore the sports that make money draw the youth because the youth can get jobs they can get scholarships at big universities and then hopefully go on to play pro that doesn't exist in weightlifting or at least it didn't exist in weightlifting until crossfit so crossfit did two things it exposed people uh, to weightlifting and that exposure kind of has a few branches, but then it also created a system for youth. So the exposure starts with um, really just a massive amount of people who would have never snatched or clean and jerk, now snatching a clean and jerk, right? It's as simple as that. But then also it allowed for that need uh, to have maybe a weightlifting facility um, within a CrossFit gym, you know, some people want to get better at the snatch and the clean and jerk naturally because they're doing them in class. So they want to, you know, they want a little bit more specific coaching. Some weightlifting coaches have found success opening up their barbell clubs in CrossFit gyms. And so now after that, you start to see people transfer over into weightlifting. You start to see, um, people on the world team who made their start in CrossFit have transferred over into weightlifting and they would have never been on this world weightlifting team if it weren't for CrossFit. 
So the exposure is, it's right there. Uh, but now we're looking at a system. And in other countries, systems just meant we were able to take youth, make them stronger, make them more athletic, and then specify them to a certain sport. And weightlifting was one of those sports. In America, weightlifting was never one of those sports. So we would never specify kids for weightlifting. But now we have the children of CrossFitters. We have kids who are growing up with parents who have snatched and clean and jerked, even though it's just a hobby, even though you know the parents still go to a nine to five, they know what weightlifting is. They know what the gym is like. They know what real training is like. Regardless of what people say about CrossFit, it really is real training. I mean, you get people back squatting, jumping, running. Like You can't argue that that is much more effective than going to a globo gym. So basically what you've done is what or what's happened is there's we've created this bridge from one sport weightlifting to kind of this pop culture movement and that's CrossFit. And so now there's hopefully going to be more of a systematic thing in place where if we are able to see talented kids, we can, you know, take them and and bring them into weightlifting. It's happened many many times. Now, as far as the future, because I think that's the second part of your, your question. That's right. Yep. The, what it will continue to do, it's hard to say. I, I'm not so sure that the boom is going to be as great. But I also think uh, it's, the damage has been done, right? Like weightlifting is becoming more and more pop culture. And what I mean by pop culture is like more like fitness pop culture. So there's a lot of the mainstream that will never pick up on fitness trends or, or things like that. But there's also a massive amount of fitness people who would never know what weightlifting is. But now you have, you know, larger voices, you have bigger followings. Uh, you can just be a very good weightlifter now and get a lot of, of traction from that. Um, and, and we're seeing that a lot, like, you know, guys like, Wes Kitts, people like Maddie Rogers, uh, Catherine Nye, you know, across the board, a lot of these people are getting massive amounts of Instagram followers, you know, sponsorship money where it didn't matter how good you were at weightlifting 10 years ago, no one would care about you, you know? So I think regardless of whether CrossFit can continually supply weightlifting with notoriety, if you will, I think the damage has already been done and it, you can see success being a weightlifter. I mean, imagine telling a kid who's very, very talented in high school, you can go and play under the lights uh, or, you know, uh, on college football game day in front of a hundred thousand people for a scholarship for free. But Right now, little Joey, you snatch 150 kilos and you can go to the Olympics, but you'll be in a dark gym and no one will know who you are and no one will care about you until you go to the Olympics. But there's this chance that you might be able to go to the Olympics and get beat by 20 other people. I mean, it's just a no-brainer, right? You, you choose football. But now we can show kids these bigger weightlifters we can say look at how much 
notoriety they have. Look at all like the, you know, this is, this sounds petty, but look at all the Instagram followers Wes Kitts has. Look at how big of a name he is. And he came from a division one double A school, a nothing school, you know? So we are offering a lot more to our youth and that's just the nature of the business is the nature of sports in general. If you could change one thing about the sport of weightlifting, it could be on the, at, on the, at the American level, on the national level, or it could be at the international level and just how the sport is contested. What might that be? Um, I just would like to see more of uh, it, the objective nature of the sport projected in a really refined way. So um, I think that USAW needs to step their shit up and put and, and get a really refined database of everyone's numbers that the and and with thorough you know graphs uh there needs to be just it, it's a numbers game at the end of the day right it all that matters is your snatch clean and jerk total and your roby score and all of these things we should be able to click on someone's profile and, and see all of these things displayed very thoroughly and very, you know, I just, I just think the back end should be better. Um, and that goes for coaches as well. If you're a coach, you should have a profile. You should have, you know, your lifters who are registered under your name, their totals should be under that as well. There just should be more data. Um, and I think that's really it. Uh, as far as, you know, just certain ticky tacky things, I think, the press out rule uh, can be or should be fixed. Um, I'm not entirely sure that it would matter if people were pressing out lifts or not. Um, I think the most efficient way to lift a barbell is to not press it out. But if you happen to press, I don't know, maybe that should count as a lift. Um, Certain things like that. I mean, that that's really my those are my biggest gripes as of right now and who in let's keep this in the realm of american weightlifting right now who do you think in american weightlifting is the most underrated or maybe just they're not really on enough people's radar could be athlete or coach okay so yeah tim swords i think uh is very underrated he's had a lot of successful lifters uh the most notable being sarah robles She's a world champion and Olympic medalist. Uh, anytime you medal at the Olympics in weightlifting, you're pretty much the best. Um, I think underrated weightlifters, you know, it's hard to say what, because again, it's an objective sport. So you're going to look at the best weightlifters and they're going to be ranked at the top with their Roby scores. So I don't really, I don't really have an underrated weightlifter at that as of right now. Um, yeah, I think just right now, I think Tim swords is incredibly underrated as a coach. Makes a lot of sense. Debatably, debatably the best coach in American weightlifting, uh, and, and maybe even American weightlifting history. Okay, Zach, where can folks keep up to date with what you're doing next as far as content production, your competition schedule, things like that? Uh, just, my YouTube channel, you know, um, I'm just going to continue to pump out, uh, pump out content and yeah, you know, you can follow me on Instagram as well. Um, but that's mainly it, you know, I, I just, and also like if, if you're ever at meets or anything like that, come up and say hi. I love to talk 
about weightlifting. It's my passion. So it's, uh, it's not hard to get me to, to talk to you. But if you want to keep up with me, again, YouTube and, uh, and Instagram. And for folks who might not be reading the show notes, what are those YouTube and Instagram accounts? Uh, just search Zach Tellender, Z-A-C-K space T-E-L-A-N-D-E-R. Uh, and then the Instagram is coach underscore Z-T. Awesome. Well, really appreciate your time, Zach. Thanks for joining the show. Thank you so much for having me.